Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Thursday, June the 7th, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day. And uh, the week is moving right along and in very good ways. I'm, I don't know about you, Wendy. I, I, I imagine this is true for you because you're such an efficient worker. But uh, this is a, a week that's going really well for me in terms of getting things done. I mean, I'm just checking things off oh, the list. Good. Check, 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 check. I can't say it's all been stress-free. But that's where the 30-day program has come in because what I've been trying to do, as I've mentioned before, is whenever that negative little spiel starts either in my head or in somebody else's conversation with me or whatever, I just say, stop, I want a positive thought, send me a better feeling thought, and it works. <laughs> so, hey. yeah, it's been moving right along. It's been moving well. And and I'm actually at the point now where I I think as of tomorrow, I'm going to be completely caught up once I get through what I have to do tomorrow, and that's really cool. I'm not usually caught up like that, so that's great. Look out, get ready for the avalanche. Absolutely, yep. Because, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. They do. And so yep. if you're all caught up, it's time for new things to show up. <laughs> of course, I'm hoping this time that when I'm caught up in a, in a happy way, now the things that will show up will be more of the stuff that I actually want rather than the stuff I don't want to have to deal there with. There you go. <laughs> I totally agree with that. Yeah, when my to-do list has so few things on it, I actually put things in what I would consider the waiting bay. The waiting it's like, bay. I know I'm not ready to start on them. But I like to put them on my list so that I know that once I get done with other stuff, that's where I'm headed next. Mm -hmm. Okay. The no. waiting bay. So, uh, that's, that's good. Yeah, it's like the, the waiting bay. I don't know. I just came up with that phrase. It, it seemed right. right. <laughs> it sounds nicer than the back burner. The back burner always sounds like, oh, geez, you, you're just treating me like I'm nothing. But the waiting bay, that sounds like, oh, I'm, you're actually going to get to me. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I know I added like two more things to my waiting bay um, I think the other day. And so now I have like five things on there. So I have four things that have to get done and then five things in the waiting bay. But here's how it works for me. If I can't touch any of the four things that need to get done because I'm waiting for somebody or I'm waiting for something in particular, I can start working on the things in the waiting bay. Ah, okay. And I get those. Sometimes I get those things knocked off faster than I get my the stuff at the top of the list. Isn't that funny you how know, that works? So. I mean, literally, there will be times when I'm working on a project. I guess I would label it as a, as a major project. And like you say, there's this little gap. There's just this period where I can't really do anything on it. And so I whip through a whole bunch of other things, and then I go back yeah. to the project. It's and strange. then it's like you're almost amazed that you got through the things that you didn't even plan to do. Yeah. And now it just has an extra wonderful feeling of completeness and exactly. productivity and yeah. accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. That's very cool. Amazing how that works. But uh, mm -hmm. anyway, we are uh, Thursday is a, a good day this week in the sense that the weather that we've been dealing with here has been weather that you like to deal with. I mean, the, actually, you know what the only downside is? The downside is I haven't been outside enough <laughs> because the weather's been gorgeous. The weather's been oh, absolutely okay. perfect, gorgeous. I mean, it's been like, you know, highs in the low 70s. And, you know, cool and, 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 no, not humid, very, not dry, but not humid. So it's just very comfortable outside and greening up like crazy. New England greens up really big in June. And it's just gorgeous outside. So, I mean, just one more thing to feel good about. And the only thing I miss is I'm just not out there enough. I got to get outside more. <laughs> well, as much as I don't like to add to more weather conversation, because I like to get into the meat of what we're doing, I just want you all to know that, because I live in Texas, we've like, I've only been doing this show since the end of November. 
And so we've never hit a patch of, oh, my God, this is why I don't like Texas weather <laughs> until now. Oh, dear. Uh, oh. It's now in the hundreds, or if, if it's not actually there, it feels like it. The humidity is so thick, you can I can barely breathe. And the irony of it is there are some people that love this weather. Like hmm. my little sister, oh, my gosh. She, like, goes and lays out in it and falls asleep. Oh, jeez. I could. I couldn't even imagine falling asleep because the moment like perspiration hits my skin, I'm like, I'm out of here. Take me to a refrigerated area. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. So I may not be saying much about the weather for the next uh, probably six months because it's hot, humid, sticky, and unpleasant. But on the days that it has a wonderful rain or downpour or thunderstorm, I might be really happy those days. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> now that you've day. presented it this way, now I understand, because you've told me in the past, you've told us in the past, that you love rainstorms, you love thunderstorms. Mm -hmm. I think I understand why now, because they're transitioned away from the, the searing heat of the summer in Texas. <gasps> yes, I love when it rains here in the summer. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. But sometimes it's so hot that as soon as the raindrops stop, it's like the steam in the air just sucks up whatever moisture there is on on the pavement, and then it's just like thick and I mean like ninety nine percent humidity. And oh, wow. like I can't even touch my toe outside the front door; it's so uncomfortable. Mm, wow. Okay. Oh. Well, <laughs> I want to thank you for selling me on not moving to Texas. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is funny because I have some projects that need to get done outside. And my little sister, who loves the outdoors, is like, I'll do it. And I said, well, I'll pay you to do it. She's like, <laughs> okay, good deal. So she's coming over today, and she's going to start working on some of my nice. outdoor stuff. And what's funny is I used to think I couldn't possibly ask someone I love to do this thing that to me is abhorrent. But she's like, I love being outside. I love doing these kinds of things. I went, for real? You're not just saying it? She goes, no, I really, really do. And then when she fell asleep outdoors sunbathing last weekend, I went, okay, you really, really do I like I guess tea. so. Yeah, apparently. It. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Well, so, more power okay. to her. I mean, for, there's something for everybody. <laughs> there is. And, and it's great. That That's one of the things that's so great about contrast. I mean, we talk about contrast. <laughs> and, and usually we talk about it in the context of, well, people not enjoying contrast and so forth. But there's a great example of contrast that's wonderful. I mean, she loves it. You, you just like it entirely. She's willing to do it. You're willing to pay her. It's like, this is great. This is a win-win. It, it's a win-win, even in the contrast. <laughs> it is. And it's a wonderful win-win. That's terrific. And actually, it's stuff that I've been putting off for years because I kept waiting for, like, the perfect time in either the fall or the spring when it wasn't too hot, wasn't too cold. It was on a weekend when I had the time to do it or it wasn't raining. And it's like those days when they did show up, I had something already planned, and it just didn't lend itself to make mm. an opportunity for me to go outside and to work for an extended period of time. And she's like, I'll do it. I'm like, you got it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> good deal. I like it. It is a good deal. Well, like you said, deal. we don't want to spend all of our time on the weather because I mean, we do value our listeners, and we, we, we appreciate their time, and, and they're here to you know get into the good stuff. And, you know, hey, we got the best delicious in the world, so we have to go along with that, right? So let's dive into it. <laughs> And I just keep thinking of somebody who listens like three, four, five, six, eight months down the road, 
and they're like, why do I care about your weather? <laughs> it has nothing to do with me today. <laughs> well, that's true. On the other hand, you know, when you live in Australia, the weather never has anything to do with you because their weather pattern is exactly the opposite of ours. So, you know, exactly. it's the same kind of thing, really. Just depends exactly. on when you're listening or where you're listening from. Actually, you know, maybe that's what happens. Maybe people who listen down under listen six months behind so that the weather always matches. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. And I would say I'd love to hear from them live. But if I remember correctly, I think it's already tomorrow. Or no, it's tonight for them. Yeah. Or oh, yeah. It's the middle of the night. Tomorrow in the morning. I don't yeah. remember. I yeah. know that 8 a.m. Central Time. No, no, no. 8 p.m. Central Time is close to their morning. So, yeah, they're ahead of us. They're ahead of us. Oh, yeah. And... If, if they're listening to us live, we think they are even better than the best listeners. <laughs> well, I work with a company that's global, and every now and then I have to talk to one of my counterparts, parts who's in Australia. And oh my gosh, trying to figure out the time variation is just always a hoot. You know, oh, yeah. it's like I don't mind getting up early, but gosh, I hate for you to have to be up so late. I said I don't mind really. I'd, I'd rather do you know late night than early morning. She goes, well, I'd rather do morning. I'm like, see, then we have a match. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it depends what kind of Australia, what part of Australia you're talking about. I mean, if you're talking about say, you know, Canberra or whatever, right now it's about six a.m. But if you're in Perth, it's like four a.m. So I mean, it just depends what part of the, the country you're in. But um, yeah, it's it's early. Let's put it that way. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, I guess this means that this will leave more time for us to get into our book, The Law of Attraction, The Basics of the Teachings of Abraham. It is. We're on uh, part four, and the subsection that we are reading from is entitled, Does the Art of Allowing Affect My Health? That, that seems fairly straightforward for us, but I, from a beginner's point of, point of view, that it's certainly a great question. So, well, let's you know what's so it. funny to me, Walt? You make commentaries on all the titles of the subsections. Did just, you know that? Well, that's because I have something to say about them. <laughs> well, I know, and I'm always like, "Well, how do we know what it means until we get into it?" So, <laughs> I just kind of go, "Okay, well, that's what your thought is," as in, like, you're presupposing what could potentially be there, kind of like you're playing a game. Like, let's see if I'm right or let's see if I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's partly it. And and you know, I, I actually Walt's right. <laughs> I, I get it right about twenty five percent of the time. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I know that you're a good gambler and you wouldn't bet on you if you're always this like true. <laughs> This is true. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, right, Mayor so Culpa. Does the art of allowing affect my health? Go so for Jer it. <laughs> Jerry asks, Abraham, I would like to cover a series of what I call everyday real life experiences and have you, if you would, tell me a little bit about how you see the art of allowing applying to these particular conditions. First, as far as physical health is concerned, I recall having had many years of an extreme physical illness during my childhood, and then I reached a stage in my life when I wanted out of that, so I had extremely good physical health, in essence, ever since then. And does the art of allowing fit into those two situations from extreme illness to extreme health? And Abraham says, when you have made a decision about something you want, you've accomplished one half of the equation for the deliberate creation of it. You have given thought with emotion, which is what, which is what wanting is. On the other side of the equation for the deliberate creation is the allowing or the expecting, the letting, letting it be. 
And so when you say, I want and I allow it, therefore it is, you will be very fast in your creation and whatever it is that you want. Okay, so I'm going to say that again because that's a cool sentence. Mm. And so when you say, I want and I allow, therefore it is, you will be very fast in your creation of whatever it is that you want. Okay? You are literally allowing yourself to have it by not resisting it, by not pushing it away with other thoughts. Comment? Go ahead and finish it, and then, then we'll go back. Okay. You have heard us say that when you are in the state of allowing, you do not have negative emotion. The state of allowing is freedom from negativity. Therefore, when you have set forth your deliberate intent to have something and you are feeling only positive emotion about it, then you are in the state of allowing it to be. And then you will have it, you see. To have health instead of illness, you must think about health. When your body is sick, it is easier to notice the sickness, so it requires desire, focus, and willingness to look upon what is happening right now. By imagining a healthier body in the future, or by remembering a time when you were healthier, your thought in that moment will match your desire, and you will then be allowing an improvement in your condition. The key is to reach for thoughts that feel better. That's true. Uh, what I was starting to react to, and then I backed off because I realized you you were in the middle of a, an important point, so I wanted to, I wanted you to finish it there. But I I have to honestly say, and I suspect this is probably true for most people, we often forget that it's a two part equation. That when you do the the asking with emotion, you've only done half of it. That the other half is the allowing part. We forget that part. Why is that? I don't know. Why do you think that is? I, I'm not really sure. I, I'm the best answer I can think of is that. What do you do? I mean, allowing isn't really doing anything. <laughs> you know, it's more like not doing. It's not resisting. It's not. You know, yeah, it's, not, it's a. Pa- it feels like it's a passive action. Yeah, yeah, and yet it's a key part of it. I yeah. Wonder- Gosh, you brought up, that is really a good question. So let's just restate it. So there's two halves to the equation of deliberate creation. There's the wanting part, and then there's the allowing part. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes even in the wanting part, sometimes it feels, sometimes it's a rougher go than you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because that's true. if you're so um, habitually... Um, in the stage of thinking ab- about what you don't want because the what you don't want is the thing that gave birth to what you do want. Right. And then the what you don't want just keeps sticking you. It's in your face constantly without realizing it. Oftentimes we just keep focusing on the thing we don't want. So we're not even getting that part of the equation right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But when we recognize, I mean, here's my thought. When we recognize we're not getting what we want, and how do we know it? Because we're not getting what we want. <laughs> right, right. That's a big clue that we're not really in alignment. There's either one or two things that could be, you know, missing on this. Either we keep focusing on what we don't want, and or we're in such a state of resistance 
we're not open to receiving. Yeah. Which kind of, in a way, sound like the same thing. It's they the are. It comes out of my mouth. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they do sound. But, but what you're, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And when I look at like what the topic of this this subsection is, it's about health, right? And the last section mm-hmm. is where they actually focus on it. They, they say to have health instead of illness, you must think about health. Well, more than that, you have to allow health. And I, right. I'm just sitting here saying to myself, how do you allow health? Well, well be- and I'll be honest with you. Whenever I have been in unhel- unhealth, Unhealth? When I'm not feeling good, yeah, unhealth. <laughs> I like to make it worse. That's a good one. I you like know, that. I didn't want to call it disease because I don't have diseases very often. But you know, I might have a stub toe. You know, that's kind of like unhealth, or sure. you know, and it's like, um, you know, or like I banged myself in the head the other day, and you know, it's like that doesn't feel very good. But in the moment, my head is throbbing. It's like, well, that's what I'm focused on. <laughs> yep. Um. You know, and so what did I do? I went, okay, rub it really hard to get the circulation going. <laughs> yep. And then after you do it, just turn around and go somewhere else. Do something different. And mm-hmm. I did. And before mm-hmm. I knew it, I forgot that I had banged my head and it didn't hurt anymore. Um, so in that context, know, we, in that context, what's the allowing part? I think when I pivoted and turned in another direction to just purposely distract myself from the whole head thing. Um, I think I tend to live in a state of allowing most of the time, so mm. it kind of allowed me to go back to where I normally am. That really points to the how important it is to kind of get into this habit before something like a serious illness comes along, so that you're already in the habit. Which is what we habit. read about yesterday. Exactly. what we read yesterday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, Wow. Because I, I know, like, well, I've been dealing with the knee issues I've been tell, talking about it at times, and, and I'm, I'm getting better. It's definitely healing. And yet I can also take advantage of it to notice those times where, you know, I just feel the pain. I just feel discomfort. Mm-hmm. And it's not good. It doesn't feel good. And I, 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 when you're in the middle of it, it's really hard to take your mind off of it. And yet that's really a key portion of allowing, taking your mind off it so you aren't actively feeling the pain on an ongoing basis. Not that you don't ever want to notice that it's there. We talked about that. We talked about how important it is to know that there's an issue. That's one of the reasons for having the pain. But simply to just not live in the in the pain, not not to make the pain the chronic part of my existence. And to do that, well, you, you know, have to allow. I, I'm, try, I'm trying to find a way to respectfully say something that I disagree with with Abraham. Oh, okay. Um, but because they're like inky, misty, you know, spirit things that are not living in flesh. And <laughs> yeah, I say that. <laughs> I think about that too a lot because they do very well when you think about it. But they're not yeah. physical, and it's a different thing to no. be physical. <laughs> and what's funny is, I truly believe every one of them has been in a physical body, and oh, may I'm, even at I'm this sure. time be also in a physical body. Yep. But it's almost like they get amnesia. <laughs> yeah, but I right. will tell you, I think that's that's the good part because if if you're about to transition to the other side. Wouldn't it be awesome to go into amnesia of everything you ever felt guilt over or regret over or felt oh, like yeah. you screwed up? <laughs> I mean, isn't it awesome to have that kind of amnesia and the only thing you take with you is all of your growth, expansion, and positive thoughts? <laughs> That's, That's a good what they point. Say. That's a good point. So anyway, you know, these inky, misty beings, um, <laughs> they're saying, misty. you know, hey, <laughs> instead of thinking about um, not feeling good, you need to focus more on feeling good. And I got to say, that just so does not work for me very well. 
I mean, I, I've been doing law of attraction as in like studying it, being a student of it, being a practitioner of it and mastering it for over 10 years now. <laughs> and not one time in my life that I was really physically ill, did I ever use gosh, I think I'll just think about health instead and have that allow me to feel better. Why not? What's wrong with you? <laughs> it didn't work one time because every time I think about, oh, remember a time when you felt really good last week before this horrible stuffy head cold thing came upon you? Well, the moment I'm thinking about how great I felt last week, I'm also kind of ticked off because I don't feel that way right now. <laughs> and so one of the other things well, I've heard Abraham say in more recent times, remember this book was written back in what, 2000? Yeah, this one's been around for a while. Something like that? Yeah. One of the things I've heard them say that I think is much more appropriate. Um, okay, it came, it went. So bring it back, Wendy. What was the wonderful, incredible, insightful thought you had? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should go um, to a so commercial like, message and then give it, that'll give you time. <laughs> No, because then I'll listen to the commercial message and I won't be focusing on what I want. <laughs> That's because in that moment I become a default thinker. And That's think, oh, right, I'm yes. Just listening to the, the commercial. So when you're really focused on health, or when you're focused on I don't feel good, that does not feel like the time to be focused on health. Okay, that's I'm trying to backtrack and go back to this is what I had said. Okay. Um, and I was saying, but what they are saying now, because this is really brilliant, <laughs> what is it? Darn it. I hate it when this happens. Mm. Um, okay, maybe I love it when it happens. I'm turning this around, by the way. I'm pivoting right now in this moment. Nice. Um, maybe I love it when it happens, because maybe there's an even better, more insightful thought that wants to come through that I wasn't even aware of at the that time. That could be. The other thing. Yeah, that would actually make sense. And okay, so like, if you were to ask me the question, because I do well with questions, so Wendy, what do you what do you focus on? So go ahead and throw the question of when you're sick. What, okay, how so would I focus? well, well I'm, I'm going to even expand on the question a little bit because all right, because you it. you mentioned that when you're feeling sick, you know, and, and you, you're asked to, to you know how what did you feel like last week? You, you're not in a mood to feel like that because you're, you're feeling what you're feeling right now. <laughs> My answer is I don't even remember what it felt like. I I can't. I, I have no memory at all of what it felt like to feel good when I'm feeling sick. <laughs> so that, that's, that's kind of true. It is. That's what these inky, misting spiritual beings like totally have forgotten. It's in their amnesia bank. <laughs> that's right, the amnesia bank. <laughs> you know, that's kind of a cool concept. If you place a deposit in your amnesia bank, does it disappear forever? <laughs> Ooh. I don't know. It's a cool idea. It's something to uh, ponder, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's also very silly, but it's fun, too. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let me think of a real situation when I don't feel good about something. Oh, I do know, and anyway, this, this does help. When I'm feeling really bad, thinking about health doesn't seem to do the trick for me. But thinking about what I know to be true, that's kind of like my highest and best self. You know, I, I do remind myself, everything always works out for me. And so that tells me that, like, this too shall pass. I won't be sick forever. This is something that's just passing through. And that actually helps give relief to the feeling bad part because when I'm thinking about, oh, I feel so bad, I'm thinking about the physicality of what doesn't feel good in my body, but I'm also judging it. And so we've never really talked about judgment in this way, but judgment is actually a separate energy 
from the actual physical illness that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in other words, if you're just feeling the, the uncomfort or discomfort of whatever um, sickness symptoms that you're experiencing, they just are. They're just symptoms. So if I have a stuffy nose, I have runny eyes, I have a sore throat, those are just symptoms. And if I just feel the symptoms, that's one thing. But if I judge the symptoms as bad or horrible or I hate it when this happens, I've actually added another energetic layer that in a way is worse than the symptomology. Yeah, I can see that. Sure. I mean, it's kind of a deep subject and it's, there's a slight distinction, but it's worth talking about because if you're judging the symptoms, that is in itself its own malady. That's true. Whereas if you can let go of the judgment and just say, what does a sore throat feel like? Even calling it a sore throat by labeling it is another layer on top of the actual sensations of the throat feeling sore. And when you can get to the most base um, sensory perception that your body is experiencing, there's actually less pain in it than when you label it and then when you judge it. It's an interesting thing because one of the points that they've made, I don't remember if they made it in this book, but they make it certainly in other books and workshops and so forth, is that illness is really the net result of previous unhappy or, or unpreferred thought patterns. In other words, I keep focusing on stuff that I really don't want. And ultimately, in the long run, one of the things that can manifest in is illness. And so when the illness shows up, it's, it's basically a pointer back to you know your previous hours, days, weeks, even months of focusing on stuff you didn't really want. And so you got what you didn't really want. And when I look at it that way, then I realize that, well, the thought pattern obviously built the illness. Without the thought pattern, the illness wouldn't be there. The other part right. of it, and you, this is kind of uh, pointing to the point that you just made. The other part of it is that really how I'm experiencing the illness is an emotional uh, reaction. It's an emotional uh, experience of it. And well, we could say it's the response to. It's an emotional response, the, sure. Yeah, okay. To the physical sensation. Yeah. So if, if I've stubbed my toe, what we know is I've stubbed my toe. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. I'm experiencing it is I may be feeling throbby sen- throbbing sensations. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, if I just allow myself to feel the throbbing sensations, what I, and I know this because I've experimented with this. The throbbing sensations don't last that long. Sure. But if I judge it as, oh my God, I've stubbed my toe and this feels bad, I am actually now about to have a response to this statement of it feels bad. So the energy of the statement, this feels bad, doesn't feel good to me. <laughs> That's true. So I now have like what I'm calling a second layer of pain. Mm -hmm. There's the throbbing toe that is one layer of pain, which is just the physical sensation. Then there's the labeling. I've I've stubbed my toe. That's another 
negative something because if I've declared I've stubbed my toe, I don't know in what universe people get excited when people do that. So we have kind of a, in, uh, a by default negative feeling about stubbing toe. And then if I get mad that I've stubbed my toe and maybe I say, I can't believe I did that. You know, I've walked past this couch a million times without doing this. And what made me do it this time? Well, now I've judged myself for a stupid action or an action I'm calling stupid. So there's some more judgment. But every time we add another layer of what we think about this poor little toe that got stubbed, we're actually adding more layers of resistance. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting point. And it, it, it's part of why I was talking about the experience of it as being an emotional response. Because I find that when I am really feeling sick, that's about as low of an emotional point I, I can be at. So when I'm, in, when I'm really feeling sick, for me, getting angry about being sick, that's actually raising myself up a step. <laughs> I, that's a higher step than where I'm at. Wow. You know, because okay. I, I just get so frustrated with being sick. It's like, well, I'm going to get mad at it because at least I'll be able to get the mad out, you know. And then I'll, okay. I, I can see myself. And this, I think this is actually what I do now that I think about it. I just start climbing the scale. <laughs> And so, okay, now that I've gotten mad, now I'm just going to be frustrated with it. And now that I've been frustrated with it, well, I'm going to be you know, a little irritated. And now that I'm a little irritated, well, you know, I'm going to start remembering what it's like to feel healthy again. And now that I'm starting to feel, uh, remember what it's like to feel healthy again, I'm going to see if I can live in that a little bit. And as I do that, I start to feel a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And suddenly I'm in a state so, of allowing. So unless you know how to do this in a way that I've never considered... I, I've heard Abraham do this and I've done this where I make sentences or statements that take me from where I am. And as I make new statements, I do start to feel better. And so the statements actually have a different level of alignment and mm. they cause a different emotional response. But the way you talked about it, where you said, and then I, then I get a little angry and that makes me feel better. I'm assuming you don't just say, I'm going to start feeling angry now, but that you actually have some thoughts that bring you to anger. Is that right? Well, it's very straightforward. I'm really pissed that I'm sick. <laughs> it, okay. It's not okay. like a huge thought process. It's just like, I'm just pissed at this. I don't want to be sick. Okay. I'm pissed. <laughs> okay. Well, and then you said, then you move up the scale by going to frustration. Well, how do you get to frustration? Do you just feel a new thought that actually happens to be frustrating? I'm not sure that there's that clear distinction of, a, of one thought from the oh. other. I mean, it probably is a new thought. This is one of the few times where I'm climbing emotion. I'm, I'm not doing a whole lot of thinking about it. And it's just, okay, now that I've gotten the rage out, I'm just kind of a little irritated by it. Well, I don't really want to be irritated. Okay, irritated is better. With where, I, where I was before was just plain sick. That just was miserable. At least now but I'm do irritated. You literally and, think, and so, but do you the things that you're saying, is that literally what you also think? No, it's what I'm feeling. I, I'm not actually thinking it. I'm not saying I am now going to think about going into irritated. <laughs> that's not what I'm doing. Okay. I'm just getting Because that's kind of how it sounded when you said, I'm now going to go to irritated, and then yeah, I'm going to take myself to frustrated. So that's why I just wanted to get that level of clarity. Yeah, no, you're because... right. You're right. You're right. It does sound that way. I'm, I'm trying to be descriptive about what's happening, but it's, right. it's not like so there's any without you may be, thought. Without you maybe being completely aware you are probably thinking thoughts that do shift you from one emotion to another. Yeah. You just maybe weren't aware of what thoughts you were thinking. Yeah, because I was. that's why I kept saying that it was an emotional thing because I, I noticed that when I'm sick, my emotional um, 
passion is heightenedness. The heightenedness of emotion okay. is greater when I'm sick. I, I have a, okay. a larger degree of emotion when I'm sick. And I don't quite know why, but I do. <laughs> so I'm okay. just climbing. That's why I just climbed the scale emotionally, because it's not like I have to tap into it by thinking the thoughts. It's just like they're right there. You know, it's just. Now, do you climb the scale because you know what the emotional guidance system scale is? No, I've been doing this since long before I knew the scale. This this is my way to just get myself into a frame of mind where I could start feeling healthy again. Because I knew that much. I knew I, I knew I had to get myself into that, that positive frame of mind. But I hadn't really studied the guidance scale yet in any big way. So did you know this even before you knew Law of Attraction? Hmm, that's a good question. Did I know it before I knew Law of Attraction? Probably on some level. I mean, I don't think I did it as systematically as I do it now. But yeah, I, I think probably on some level, I, I just kind of, you know, tried to do it. Not always with success, but yeah. And, and as because, because I didn't really understand it, I kind of stumbled around, you know, and, and I'd fall back down, okay. and, you know, stuff like that. Well, because I, I'm just thinking about people who are listening to the show. When you were talking about moving up the scale, I felt like I knew what you were referring to because I'm well-versed in the emotional guidance system scale. Mm, yeah. Um, that's why I was asking the questions that I was. They're because, good questions. And I'll, I'll just lay that out as a framework. Um, Abraham talks about, you know, um, how our emotions are like our internal GPS system, whereby at the very bottom of the rung is like despair and depression and like practically suicidal, sometimes, but not always, mm -hmm. um, where it's like the lowest emotion you can possibly feel. And that is indicating the distance between what you're thinking and what your inner being is thinking. And it's saying that when you're feeling a level of despair and hopelessness, you can't get any further away from how your inner being thinks. It is like diametrically opposite. Mm, right. But if you can climb your way up through finding different thoughts that feel a little bit better, even if you move to something like, well, I'll show them and I'll, I'll blow up their car. <laughs> well, the average person might go, uh, hello, that doesn't sound good. You might get thrown in jail, blah, oh, yeah, blah, blah. Right. But, but the truth is, from an emotional perspective, feeling revenge actually has a level of empowerment in it that feeling despair and hopelessness has none, mm -hmm. has no empowerment. Exactly. So from the Abraham perspective, when you think about it in terms of raising your vibration or thinking thoughts that feel better, revenge actually is an emotion that is that feels better than feeling hopeless. Mm -hmm. But the idea is you don't want to stay in revenge either. Not at all. You want no. to keep moving your way. Just like you were talking about when you feel sick, you want to move your way up the scale to feeling better. So if you can move out of revenge, even if – and I've played with revenge in my mind. Like, wouldn't it be nice to do this to somebody? <laughs> you know, but I only let it be my imagination. And then I go, oh, well, this is good because I'm feeling more powerful. And sometimes I can even say, well, now that I'm feeling a little bit more powerful, what would be a better feeling thought that would take me – into a place that actually is healthier for both me and the rest of the planet, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. And, and it might be, well, this, it bugs me. It bugs me a lot that these kinds of things go on or that people can get away with stuff. I don't really like that. But that feels a little bit better than feeling I need to blow somebody's, you know, world up. Mm -hmm. um, and so that moves me up the scale. 
And, you know, it's not, I don't know anybody who literally looks at Abraham's 22 emotions on their GPS system and literally says, sequentially, I'm going to work my way up the ladder. I don't think I most think, people, I, I including some of the believe. most, even some of the most uh, vehement Abraham supporters, I doubt you most of them could even name no. what the exact order is, you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not without checking a resource somewhere. <laughs> exactly. And I really believe it is just that it's a reference guide. It gives you um, an understanding and awareness of how, you know, moving up the ladder, you know, kind of puts you in perspective. It's a reference to where you were before. Mm. You know, but if I get to, well, yeah, it does bug me that, you know, sometimes people just, you know, they're rude and I don't really like that. And, you know, I, li- I want to live in a world where people are kind to each other, you know, and I know I like to be kind. And maybe if I talk about this in this way, it might move me up to feeling hopeful. Well, you know, I do believe that most people are kind, you know, and the ones that aren't, it's because they've either had a bad day or they've had something rough in their life, or they don't know about the power of the law of attraction and how they can have a life of ease and flow, you know? And so that might put me in a state of now optimism. And so, you know, just a few sentences ago, I might've wanted to blow up their world, their car, their jobs, et cetera. And now I'm thinking in a very different way. And every time my emotions shift into a positive, more positive feeling, I'm getting closer to how my inner being thinks about this subject. Mm-hmm. And that and is really I key. Shift, yeah, I mean, and I'm using, you're using an example of, of poor health. I'm using an example of somebody did something that ticked me off. Right. Um, but if I can get to the point of like, you know what, I just want to love this person because they don't realize that what they're doing is really hurting me. Or I, I don't think they do. I don't think they're doing it on purpose. But this is really about them and not about me. And you know what? I have enough love in my life that I can extend love to them too. And so, you know, it's all good. And when I get to this point, I know that me and my inner being are having a little happy dance. Right. Because I'm feeling really good about them. Even though they did something just a few minutes before that really ticked me off. Mm-hmm. Now when I think about that, I'm not thinking about how they ticked me off. I'm just thinking about you know what, I'm a loving person and I have enough love to give both myself and them. And maybe that'll give them a hand up and that's what they're needing. Which is great. That's a great position to be in. But it all came from one, finding one new thought after another, after another, after another versus I'm looking at the emotion gui- emotional guidance <laughs> scale and saying, okay, now how do I get myself to the next level? <laughs> that's right. Well, plus I never really wanted to look at the guidance scale and work my way up because 14 out of 22 are actually negative. I didn't want to spend that much time in negativity. I wanted to kind of zoom faster than that. <laughs> See, you wanted a quantum leap. <laughs> I did want a quantum leap. I did. And, and I, I guess the reason I was talking about the emotion side is I remember I, I was actually sick fairly often as a kid. You know, not you know, like throughout half the school year or something like that, but often enough. And there were many times, I can tell you honestly, I wanted to be sick. And in fact, I made myself sick without realizing I could actually do that. Um, But there are other times where if you had asked me, my perspective was, this is the worst possible time to be sick. I have things I want to go do. I want to go play. I want to go out. I want to go on this trip. I want to do that. And, you know, that that happened often enough, too. If I had understood that my previous thought processes were leading to it, I probably would have changed my thought processes from a very young age. But I didn't know that. You know, so here I am with these two different kinds of things. One where I wanted to make myself sick, the other one where I didn't want to, but I did anyway. 
I made myself sick anyway, despite not wanting to. And in both of those cases, in both of those kinds of situations, I felt very, very similar to the way you feel when you're depressed. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't really know what depression was, but that was the way I felt. And that's why I said I was at a really, really low level. Either way, whichever kind of sickness, quote unquote, I had, I was at a really, really low level. So that's why it worked so well for me to climb up to rage and then up to, you know, revenge or up to, you know, feeling irritated or, you know, just moving up the scale to, to various points that were higher up there because that was so low. I was really at a very low place when I got sick. It's also why I don't get sick anymore, interestingly enough. I don't, I rarely get sick anymore. Like, I can't remember the last time I did. <laughs> hmm. It has been a while. I think it was probably back when Louise was working in daycare, and that was a lot of years ago. I mean, like, at least 10 well, years ago, you know? So if you're, if, now, you're talking about having a cold. Of course, having a knee issue to me is in the same health category. Yeah, it's true. It's still something happening in the physical body. Yeah. Because um, I was just going to say, sometimes things show up in different uh, ways symptom symptomatically yeah. based on how they metaphorically connect to whatever the thoughts are that you have not known how to, um, it's like you've had thoughts that have created feelings, but you haven't known what to do with those feelings. And so you just kind of like either ignore them or push them aside or go, I don't know what the heck that is. Mm -hmm. And then the more you don't know what to do with it, the more that resistance sticks around and the more solid or fixed that resistance is, the more it gets into the body. True. Yeah. And then it creates a body thing. So, you know, if you haven't had a cold, whatever a cold may represent to you, then, you know, that would tell me, well, However you think that normally lands a person with a cold, you're not going there. Right. You're taking care of those thoughts and emotions and whatever quite nicely, you know. But where, where but, a knee issue is concerned, actually, I, I have thought about the, the idea of, of illness or, or injury as a metaphor. And I kept asking myself over and over again, what's the metaphor for the knee injury? And each time it came back the same way. I don't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure yeah. why I'm thinking that, but that's what it keeps coming back every time. <laughs> well, you know what? Then that's giving you a huge clue. Yeah, yeah. I haven't figured out what the clue means, so, but it's definitely a clue. So, I mean, what does that mean to you when you hear that phrase? No idea. I mean, it, the closest I can say is not having a leg to stand on means all my options have been taken away. But I can't really okay. make sense out of that because my option, so I, I certainly know my options have not been taken away. I've got lots of options, so I, I can't quite. But here, here's what's really fascinating. Oftentimes, and I'm, I'm kind of getting the hit that this particular thing you're talking about is not about a current situation, but it's about something that happened to you or something you were um, nursing um, when you were very small. Could be. And whatever that issue was when you were very small never got acknowledged in a way that it, it allowed that energy to just flow through you and it has been stuck. Maybe. And so it's showing up now because it wants acknowledgement so it can flow through and be over and move on. Well, that's okay with me. I like that. In fact, the sooner the better. <laughs> well, and so that's where, you know, when I'm working with a client, and I'm not asking you to do this now, but when I'm working with a client, we start to poke around at things in childhood, um, I mean, 
just any time before now, you know, I'll say, well, when was the last time you think you felt this way? And they might say, oh, I can think of something when I was 26 year old, 26 years old and blah, blah, blah happened. And we'll like talk about that. And I'll say, okay, cool. Well, can you think about a time that was even sooner than that or like earlier than that where you kind of felt similar? They go, you know what? I was 11 and this happened. And, you know, sometimes we'll go, it was the 11 o'clock, 11 year old thing because all of a sudden they start getting a new perception on that circumstance that they'd never seen before. Hmm. And sometimes I say, let's go back even further. What was the time before? Four years old. Oh my God, here it is. And then we hmm. start talking about it. Yeah. And what happens is when you talk about what happened, let's say at four, and we'll just call that the origin of hmm. this thing. Hmm. Maybe there was something where as a child, you felt like you didn't have resources because as a kid, all you had was pretty much mom and dad. And if they didn't have the resources, or maybe it was something you didn't even tell them about, you just felt stuck. And then, you know, as an adult, we find ways to look at that differently now. And how did your inner being really look at that? And um, little by little, you start to let go of the resistance and the negative emotion that was held at that young age. And as you really release it, it changes all of the subsequent incidences that happened after that. Right. Yeah. It's, then, it's almost the therapeutic and then when process. Gone, and then when it's gone and all those resistances have been released, then whatever is going on with the physical malady right now has to go away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that indicator light is no longer necessary. Well, so just some thought, not only for you, but also for those who are listening going, well, I got an issue going on and it's been happening for a while and I don't know what to do with it. And maybe that'll be helpful. If, if it is, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's something that, you know, when you focus on something like that in the way you described, you can, if you can, if you can make the kind of ground you're talking about where, where you really identify, you know, the various points along the way, including the origin point, then it does go away quickly because you've just released the, the reason for its existence. And once you release it, and those, you know, it's gone. And those are things that I call quantum leaps, because when you can take something that you've been living with a, an, um, an energetic pattern that's not been working for you since childhood, all the way into your adulthood, whatever age you're at now, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, um, it's like it releases from everything. And if you don't, don't get all of it, let's say whatever you dealt with at four years old, that one feels pretty complete. But maybe there's some stuff from the 11-year-old thing that there's another little something that got what I, here's my technical term, got glommed onto the original problem. <laughs> <laughs> but now you've loosened it up. And so it's easier to poke around at it to figure out what it's about. And to me, this is why I love coaching, because I work on this level all the time. Mm. And to me, it's fun. It's challenging. I love to investigate and research and poke around and ask questions. And when people go, oh, my God, I had no idea this was even still there. And they go, well, I'm having this memory. And I don't know if this means anything. I'm like, yes, we asked the question. And that's why the memory came. Because it is significant. Things don't just happenstance show up in your memory if you haven't thought about it for 30 years. It showed point. up because that's the answer that you're looking for.
Because really what you're looking for is you're looking for whatever the first reaction is, whatever the first impulse is, whatever the first thing that comes to you is, that's the one you pay attention to, the first one, very first thing. Right, whatever. Yeah, well, if we're talking on a subject or I'm asking a question and all of a sudden a bizarre memory pops into your head, I mean, every client I've known has always said, well, there's something that just hit me in my thoughts, but I don't know if this has any significance. And I'm like, speak it. (laughs) And they do. And I'm like, yes, this has great significance. There was no coincidence in the fact that this memory just all of a sudden popped up. It wasn't out of nowhere. It's like our consciousness is so brilliant. It knows how to bring those things to the surface. Very true. It does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been sitting here while you were doing your little soliloquy there, which was very beautiful, by the way, and asking myself the questions that you're asking. Okay, so what is coming to me? What is at the root of this? What you know? Why do I have this this knee thing going on? What where does it originate? And I don't really have any clear answers that have come. I've had a couple of of sort of half formed thoughts, and I'm trying to work them a little bit and get an idea of what they're really all about. But I guess my point is sometimes. Sometimes you have to sit with it for a little bit, don't you? It it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily come quickly. And also within every problem lies a solution. So within the fact that you're having some knee issues, the solution has already been born. Mm. In other words, the actual something that your knee is going through already has within it the potentiality to create the healthy knee. Which means what we're really doing is trying to unearth the solution that already exists. Yes. Because every time a problem is created, in the exact moment the problem is created, the resolution is created simultaneously. That's encouraging. I mean, especially for somebody who's gone through a health issue, particularly a chronic one or even maybe a a life-threatening one. Whenever you're dealing with that, it's nice to know that there is a solution built in there. It's a question of rooting it out. Mm -hmm. And if it's something that you have great angst over and you just hate the poor with every ounce of your being, to that same intensity is the solution. To the same intensity is your healthfulness. And so one of the areas that I have been incredibly encouraged is, okay, I've been overweight for hmm, 50 years. Mm. And I got to tell you, I've had a lot of intensity over it. A lot of intensity. And knowing that I have put out 50 years worth of asking for the reverse, to feel slim, to feel energetic, to feel vital, to feel agile in my body, I know that that solution has already been created with the same level of intensity that the problem was created. And when I think of or I look at somebody who I consider naturally thin or, you know, an athlete or whatever, I probably have more propensity than the naturally thin athlete to be thin and athletic because I've put so much more energetic um, energy into it. Mm-hmm. So that's reassuring So I too. know that's within, that's within my vortex. That's yeah. what's awaiting me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and very I no longer come from I no longer come from a place as, oh, woe is me, poor me, because I've been overweight. I'm like, oh, I know there's some awesome stuff waiting for me. Everything I've ever desired is waiting for me. And it's not like it's just waiting because I don't put it out in my future anymore. It's here. It's now. I'm living in the new energy. I'm shifting on a regular daily basis. As a matter of fact, for the last couple of days, I just happened to have felt really hungry. And so I was eating more food than normal. 
And so when I stepped on the scale, the scale went up, you know, a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I laughed this morning when I stepped on the scale and really? it was higher. Oh, yeah. And I went, oh, this is new. Why am I laughing? <laughs> yeah, sounds very new. I and I think. went because I just gained two pounds. Now, granted, it's not I don't call it real weight because when it happens in a couple of days, it's not real. It's just kind of like I've added more weight to my body, but it'll slough off quickly. Mm -hmm. And but the idea was, but I'm in a whole new weight category. And even when I've done something where I eat a whole bunch of food for a couple of days, it only bounced up to here, where it used to bounce up to there. Ah. I'm in a very different place. And I laughed and I went, wow, this feels so different because I still know I'm in the dropping of weight process. And as anybody who plays with weight knows, weight always goes up and down. That is just the natural way our bodies metabolize. And there are some days that you feel more hungry than others, and some days you just feel like not eating as much as others. And that's just part of the natural ebb and flow of life. And so as I've been ebbing and flowing the last couple of days where I was eating more, and I looked at the scale, I went, oh, but it's still lower. <laughs> it's still lower than it was a month ago. Yeah. I'm still trending downward. But see, you know, the old me would have seen, oh, my God, I have just lost the progress that it took two months for those three pounds to come down, mm. and now I've gained them. Well, you know, the old me would have retained those three pounds right? because of my thinking and emotional response to it, mm -hmm. because of the resistance that I was creating. But now it's a whole different something. This is why I know the future is not waiting for me. The future is now, because I'm living in a physicality where – Food doesn't have the same effect in my body as it used to because how I feel about it is so different. I just have no guilt over anything I eat anymore. I do have awareness sometimes that I don't like how when I ate this food, it made me feel. And I went to one of my favorite restaurants yesterday and I had already decided I'm not going to go there anymore because every time I go, I end up feeling icky afterwards. Oh, yeah. But I I really had a desire to go there. It was a fast food Chinese place. Uh -huh. And I went there and I'm like, okay, what can I do differently so I can feel good? Because I really want to eat this food. And I normally get half lo mein and half fried rice and then the entree. Mm -hmm. And as I was looking at it, I went, why don't you skip the lo mein and just do all egg fried rice? And I did. And do you know I never had a negative response after I ate it? Oh, that's good. And I went, wow, I just needed this one tweak. So I have awarenesses of how food and me are connecting and what our relationship is, but I'm not judging it and I'm not feeling guilty about eating it. I'm just noticing the result. It's a very different way for me to live mm. in my relationship with food. Very different. So, very good. Anyway, that's all about changing. Um, that's bringing the future into now because that's what's in my vortex. But how I went about making the gazillions of changes that I've made is the exact same process I just mentioned to you about, you know, looking at your knee or having anybody look at any physical ailment and just kind of asking questions like, well, what does this remind me of? Or what do I think of? And I love that you came up with, I have no leg to stand on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't have made that up for you. But that's the right phrase for you. Right. 
you know, and when I think of, I don't have a leg to stand on, I would have said, I don't feel support. But you said, I feel like I have no resources. Mm. That's a very different direction to go in. It is. And that's why I don't like to tell people what I think something should mean for them, because I don't want to put thoughts in your head. You have all your own answers, and they're perfect for you. Mm -hmm. And it's very cool. Yeah, yeah. I love, too, the fact that you mentioned the phrase, and it's a cliche, the future is now. And the way you meant it had a very specific meaning about how you wanted to focus on now. But I also realized there's a second meaning to it, which is what you think about now creates your future. So you, we could just as easily say, now is the future. <laughs> it isn't just the future is now. Now is also the future. It's both. It's both. Well... Yeah, and, and in some slightly different words, you can say that whatever you're thinking on now is projecting the now into the future. Right, right. I like that. Yeah. I lo You know, well, you've done this so many times, and I do love it when you do, where you find dual meanings for things. Well, they're fun. Dual meanings I, are I great. I know. I can tell it's fun, but it's like <laughs> I love it. I totally love it. That you come up with these dual meanings. I've been doing that ever since I can remember. I mean, from a really? very, very young age. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my dad actually encouraged it. I can't tell you exactly how, but I just have, because I mean, he used to, like, you know, do little games with me, you know, word games and, and puzzles and stuff like that. And I think he was, he was mainly trying to, you know, help me stimulate my mind and, you know, prepare me for school and all that kind of thing. But, uh, well, you know, there are such incredible distinctions in how we communicate ideas. Mm -hmm. And I know I told you right before we started the show that um, I had just sent an email to one of my managers. Um, and anyway, um, that I was a little bit frustrated with. There's certain ways that he answers things that he doesn't see things the way other people see things. Oh, right. Yes. And one of his, one of his direct reports had commented on how, it's like I asked my manager, should I take the red pill or the blue pill? And his response is yes. Now, I looked at that this morning the same way my coworker did, where we were saying, which one, red <laughs> right. or blue? But after we were done with that exchange, I went, oh, I could see how he would misunderstand. He might have heard, what he might have heard was, should I take the pill, whether it's red or blue, should I be taking the pill? In other words, he wasn't seeing it as a blue pill or a red pill. He was seeing it more like, should I take the red or the blue pill? Yeah. And the answer take, is yes. Mm -hmm. I want you to take a pill. Take a pill. And I yeah. went, wow. Because I'm thinking, you know, I work so hard to phrase things in ways that I think are foolproof, <laughs> that can only <laughs> be taken one way. And as soon as I think I have the perfect communication, there's always another way it can mean. There's always another possible perception. <laughs> Fun with the English language, the most multi-valued language on the planet. <laughs> I know. It is just absolute amazing. And so that's what, that's what it reminds me of when you come up with dual meetings that you're just so brilliant at. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you well, being my co-host, too. I mean, I, oh, I, I just lo I love all the, the insights you bring in. And, and I appreciate our listeners, too. Our listeners are wonderful. They're, they they just add that spice. They add that little extra tang that makes our conversation so great. So thank you to everybody for joining us. And we hope that uh, you'll join us uh, each and every day, especially tomorrow. And uh, we're going to be continuing our study of the book. We're going to continue our explorations with all the different co-hosts. And we just want you along for the ride. So thank you for being with us. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. 
Bye-bye for now.